This event was recorded live at the 2010 Edinburgh International Book Festival. Great, okay. Let's see. Well, good morning, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Edinburgh International Book Festival 2011. And welcome to our opening keynote event in the adult programme. It's my pleasure, as the director of this festival, to welcome you. My name is Nick Barley, and I hope I'll be seeing a lot of you over the next few days. But the thing which always strikes me about uh, being at this festival, and I'm reminded of that again today, is that this festival really belongs to its audience. The passion of Edinburgh's audience, audiences is so extraordinary, and it's that passion which has allowed this festival to grow to be the biggest and the best respected in the world. And I know that sounds hyperbolic, but it is true. And I think it is true to say that audiences have contributed over these last years, since 83 when we launched, to making Edinburgh once again into a world literary capital. And that really, really matters. And it's my responsibility to try to keep that going on your behalf. It wasn't always like that. And um, thinking back to 1962, the world famous writers conference that took place here in Edinburgh um, it was addressed by the then godfather of Scottish literature, Hugh McDermott. And he said, in front of an audience of slightly incredulous authors, he said, it's a long time since there was any truth in the observation that one had only to stand at the cross of Edinburgh to meet a succession of geniuses. Just 50 years ago, that, that, the, the flame of the Enlightenment had dimmed to a flicker. And how things have changed over these past 50 years. Um, and that conference back in 62 was one of the catalysts, the key catalysts for, for what we now call the Scottish literary renaissance. And one writer who in 1962 was already working on his first novel was Alistair Gray. By 1981, he'd finished that novel. And <laughs> it, was a, it had taken a long time to come. And of course, as you know, that novel was Lanark, known by many people to be his masterwork. And I hadn't realized this until a few weeks ago. Alistair was on the roster of the first speakers in 1983 when the Edinburgh Book Festival first launched. Um, this year is the 30th anniversary of the publication of Lanark, but that's only one reason why I thought it would be appropriate to invite Alistair to open this year's festival. Since 1981, Alistair has been a potent force in literature in Scotland, not only with his own writing, uh, with his plays and with his pictures that he's been making in various different incarnations, but also as an inspiration to other writers here in Scotland. He too will be the closing event of our festival in 18, 18 days time with a world premiere performance of his latest play, Fleck. But today I asked him to take us through his long and amazing career in which writing and pictures have always worked so closely together. And so please join me in giving a very warm welcome to Alistair Gray. <laughs> Alistair. Um, yeah. I, think, I think I'm chiefly here uh, to publicize my last book called A Life in Pictures. Um, uh, we, we, ha we have some of them to go on the screen. Uh, they're in no particular order. Uh, <coughs> could we have the first, please? Uh, um, um, certainly one, one of the things I drew, draw, make pictures for is to... Um, Stop people I know going away, changing, getting older or dying. This doesn't work, but, uh, but I've, I've been able to preserve their appearance. Uh, it's only in the last two or three years that uh, I got an art dealer who has um, started selling my pictures. Um, um, uh, before then, I had to sell them myself and didn't manage to sell many at all. Uh, uh, this, this, was, this meant that I had a, a 
lot of drawings that I meant to get round to finishing one day uh, and, and um, colouring them up. Uh, this, um, this, uh, this, this was a drawing of my son. Sorry, I'm looking for the date. Drawn, ah, yes, 1972. Uh, drawn in 1972 uh, in bed. Uh, the quilt was uh, one his mother um, had, had made out of remnants. And uh, I, well, I, it was just a couple of years ago uh, when my dealer started selling my paintings. Well, I started finishing them, uh, and, and uh, um, I, uh, I, uh, and Andrew, now of course a middle-aged man, uh, was in America and, and had the quilt. I got him to send me coloured photos of it uh, in order to get the colours right. <laughs> and and um, next, please. <laughs> Oh, a family one. <laughs> uh, that would, must have been taken in 1943 or, or a little later when uh, our family entered the middle class phase. Um, um, my father had plenty of hobbies. He was one of the founder members of the Scottish Youth Hostel Association, uh, worked for a great many open air organisations the Camping Club of Great Britain, and there was a hill, a hill guide with the Holiday Fellowship, and uh, all voluntary, uh, what work he wasn't paid for. But uh, <coughs> when the Second World War broke out, he'd fought in the first. Um, and uh, anyway, his, his experience in setting up youth hostels was such that he was promoted to... Um, to be a manager of uh, a hostel for munition workers in Weatherby, Yorkshire, and um, lived in the manager's bungalow. Uh, um, well, with me and my sister, uh, Morag, and the dog, Sandy, and uh, my mother, and that's the dad. <laughs> before, as I say, before the war, he had he'd worked for about He'd, he'd got employment during the Depression operating a machine that cut cardboard boxes in Laird's factory in Bridgeton. After the war, he didn't want to go back to that. Um, but it was the only job available. Uh, he, um, uh, he, anyway, he managed. But uh, um, <laughs> I, I think it was probably the happiest time, especially for my mother. Um, in the town of Weatherby, she joined the Women's Inst Institute, and, and she was somebody who got on very well with uh, with other women. And and uh, anyway, what's this to do with my pictures? Nothing at all. <laughs> uh, next, please. Um, that is uh, ah the three dates: 1951, 55, and 95. Uh, um, I had, had the good luck. Uh, to attend an art uh, class in the, uh, run by a lady called Jean Irwin in Glasgow Art Galleries and Museums. I got on very well with her. She let me do what I wanted. Well, I, I paint anything I wanted. Uh, and and uh, just gave me the materials and occasionally lent me books of art. And uh, uh, this, this was... Um, uh, Glasgow came as a shock when I returned to it because uh, I, I, I had left it because of the war, first with the evacuation with my mother uh, in 1939, and I, all I knew then was um, Ridry, this quite posh Glasgow housing scheme, one of the earliest, and generally you find that the earlier a thing it is, the, the better it is. That is, the, the best comedies the best filmic comedies uh, to come out of Hollywood were the earliest silent ones with the Marx Brothers and Chaplin, just as the earliest great popular drama in Great Britain was uh, 
Marlowe and Shakespeare. <laughs> uh, nobody's done better than them. Uh, and and um, the, the initial housing scheme erected under the Wheatley Acts by uh, the Labour Council, no, Liberal and Labour, occasionally Tory too, um, Ridley and Knightswood were among the, the best made. They had municipal bowling greens and public libraries and shops, everything, but, everything except pubs. Uh, and uh, I hadn't missed them as a child. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, the housing schemes that were erected very rapidly after the war lacked most of the civic amenities of the earlier ones, which is one of the reasons they though started, hopefully, many of them have become almost the equivalent of slums. But they have lavatories inside and um, bathrooms, and that was a great step forward. Why am I going on about this? Yes, uh, um, as I came back to uh, Glasgow after the war, I, I suddenly discovered that uh, uh, Ridry had tree-lined boulevards and open space and uh, a primary school in walking distance and all that. And I discovered it was on the edge of this very big, very smoky industrial city. And, and um, I got used to the town of Weatherby, a small market town then on the Great North Road. Could find my way around it quite easily. Oh, how can you find my way around this big city? It's too big. Um, I think about 20 or 25. I was, I was middle-aged before I felt at home in Glasgow. Um, but um, I, was fa I was fascinated by it, and, uh, and um, I, I, uh, this was an invented landscape. Uh, the, um, I called it Two Hills. Um, this hill has a number of features that I, I took from Hill Street, which had a synagogue and, uh, and um, St. Aloysius Church and um, schools and things on it. And, uh, and tenements adjacent. Uh, that factory is derived from my memory of Blochier and Ironworks, which was on the edge of, uh, of Ridry, and uh, these flat-roofed buildings. I don't know why I made them flat-roofed. I've never seen any tenements of that kind before. Oh, I, I wanted a contrast with this, of course. Um, sorry, anyway, um, I, 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 I painted that when I was about 15. It was um, next. Oh, yes. <laughs> um, at art school, um, in the general course, the first two years, you were, um, you were given subjects for paintings, and you painted these in your free times and, and at weekends, and uh, the pictures were shown each month in the assembly hall, and uh, I found uh, this an exciting thing. The, the, the trouble was, the, the subjects they gave were tremendously unexciting. Uh, uh, um, I, I, I was really keen to, to make illustrations to the Old and New Testament, but in modern settings like Glasgow. Uh, and and um, the subject given here was three people setting a table. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, that's me in a dressing gown. <laughs> it's at, uh, the, uh, uh, that is true to the bay window of our, um, our living room in, in Ridry, uh, where I grew up. And we did actually eat at a card table with spring legs, you know, that could be folded up. I mean, we had a bigger table we could unfold, but it was easier just setting this up in the hearth rug. Uh, and uh, by, by that time, my mother was dead. Uh, and. Uh, Three people setting a table. Uh, improbable. That's my sister laying the tablecloth. That's my father, and, it, and he was a handsomer man than that profile suggests, uh, lay, laying down a, a, a piece of roasted meat on a plate before the, almost before the tablecloth is laid. That's me unifying the, uh, the, 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 the composition at the back. Um, <laughs> 
wielding a teapot that we never used to make tea. It, it stood on a kind of shelf under the sideboard. It was a, a decorative feature. Uh, um, but um, the card table and uh, that brass top table and the, the still light, um, the bookcase and our mullered radio and, and uh, that kind of helmet or blind. Yes, they were there. Um, <laughs> um, and I, um, um, my teachers in the painting department of Glasgow didn't approve of my style uh, of work. I was too much of a post-impressionist. Um, I didn't generally like painting cast shadows. Uh, and, 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 um, and therefore, you've got the outline and uh, rather strong colours and um, or, or, or very definite colours and areas of texture put to, to vary things. I don't think our carpet was as bright as that, which is done in the pointillist technique, perfected by Sura. Uh, <laughs> next, please. Um, that's a friend of mine. Um, in fact, I drew it, I think, on the first occasion we, we met, and uh, when, when Alan Fletcher was his name, a very great artist who unluckily died very early, leaving just a few works of sculpture and painting, which I think great in their way. But uh, that was his appearance and manner. He, he was strikingly tall. Um, of Cornish gypsies on his mother's side, uh, his father, well, his father was an engineer in, uh, in various hotels, whereas his mother was a restaurant manageress in various hotels, and which is how they, they met. I mean, when I say engineer, he worked as a boilerman. And uh, um, anyway, that's Alan, and very like him. And uh, I've never drawn him better than that. But uh, as I say, he was a hugely influential friend and example uh, to everyone who knew him in, uh, in the first or second year of Glasgow Art School. Anyway, next. <laughs> um, uh, this is a piece of a mural I painted in the, uh, the Scottish USSR Friendship Society. Uh, the, the, um, I got the job um, since the drawing and painting department didn't want me, uh, I mean, I wanted, I wanted to go in and paint oil paintings and things, but, but uh, um, most of the staff in those days believed that painting had taken a very wrong di direction with Cezanne and Van Gogh and Gauguin, uh, and, and um, therefore my second choice was mural painting, and, uh, and even there they Though I, though I liked the staff, we never quarrelled. It's, it's just I refused to take their advice. <laughs> uh, 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 not at all in a rebellious spirit. I sorry, sir, uh, I can't do that. <laughs> uh, and and um, eventually the Scottish USSR Friendship Society um, said they would like a mural, uh, 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 asked the art school if they had a, a student who would like to paint a mural in their premises, which weren't, weren't far away in Belmont Street, and uh, they, they could pay for the materials and nothing else. So they gave me the chance, uh, of which I took. And uh, without going into the details, this was a modern crucifixion uh, with... Um, you can only see the legs of Jesus uh, um, with uh, a, a kind of an attempt to show an industrial city not unlike Glasgow with a mountainous Scotland behind it. And uh, that was meant to be Eve at, the, at one side um, offering the apple to Adam, whose head you could just see beside, behind me, uh, looking oddly like a much more mature self portrait. That's me in the specs. Uh, and and um, as, I, as I say, it, 
It was never quite finished to my satisfaction. It's now under wallpaper since the evil empire crumbled. Uh, at, at Douglas Percy Bliss, the director of the art school, but I got on quite well. Not many people did. Uh, um, he, he uh, that's him there on the right. But uh, he invited Alec Cairncross, who was then an official in the British Treasury, to, and, but who had graduated from Glasgow. Though he went to Cambridge in the 30s and was one of um, three or four others, Blunt, Burgess and McLean, who were recruited as spies um, by the Soviet Union. <laughs> um, and anyway, um, 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 he was never arrested and never fled the country, just worked away at the Treasury. Uh, and and uh, <laughs> I, I, uh, Blunt, Blunt also was allowed to die peacefully in his bed, uh, um, I believe. Uh, and um, <laughs> my, my friend, Elspeth King, um, one of my best patrons, who was for a good many years the effective, uh, what do you call it, um, curator of the People's Palace Local History Museum on Glasgow Green, she, she believed my career as an artist was damaged by my connection with the Soviet Union. <laughs> and perhaps even with Alec Kierncross. <laughs> uh, um, I, I think she's over-dramatizing. <laughs> uh, next, please. Oh, yes. Um, again, interior. Uh, that's Susan Boyd, unluckily dead. Uh, I think that she was in her teens then. Uh, that was, was it on television? No, I think I copied it out of a photo in the Radio Times. It, it, it did go on television. And it was photographed in her, her mother, uh, Kate, Katie Gardner, is still alive in her, in her 80s. But um, uh, um, uh, Susie, whose father was Eddie Boyd, the playwright, um, she, she went to London and uh, after working at many jobs, including being a postwoman and working in the makeup in the BBC and doing all kinds of different jobs, she became one of the first scriptwriters in the East Enders. In fact, she was working on the East Enders right up to her, to her, um, her death about six or seven years ago. And um, um, it, she was able to come back to Glasgow because it, what with computers, it was no longer necessary to live near the television centre in London in order to get work there. So she could, but she, um, she was continually wrestling with new producers who wanted the characters in the East Enders to take completely new lines, and, um, and her struggle was to, keep, was to keep the surviving characters consistent with their past selves under previous directors. Um, if you notice a huge amount of inconsistency nowadays, it's probably because there's no writers who have been with the, the job for more than a few years. Next. Please, slide. Uh, oh, sorry, that, again, that was a drawing of a friend of mine. Um, these are both views of her. Um, Mary Bliss now, Mary Hamilton then. Um, I was visiting her in, in London and started this elaborate ballpoint drawing. I, I used to work with ballpoint because I required to work with something that gave a hard, definite line. The, the teachers wanted me to draw with pencil so that you had a, a soft, delicate line. But I... No use of delicacy. Uh, uh, next... Uh, Next. Oh, yes. <laughs> um, a friend of mine, also dead, uh, Alistair Lee, who um, was keen to be uh, drawn, uh, uh, represented and set himself up with the decanter, the wine, <laughs> uh, 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 the cigarette, uh, and, uh, and he also... Uh, uh, chose the quotation from Oscar Wilde, being natural is simply a pose. <laughs> <laughs>
<laughs> which, uh, which suits him perfectly. Uh, anyway, next. Oh, uh, um, Angus, uh, at Glasgow School of Art, when he was a student, uh, sorry, when he was a student at Glasgow University, a student of English, uh, I met him at a writing group run privately by Philip Hobsbawm. Uh, we knew him as Angus Nicholson. Philip urged that he write more about his Gallic roots, his Gaelic past, and uh, which he did. And uh, his poems in English, I think, are good. They, they come out nowadays bilingual uh, in the Gallic with, with the English. And, and he is known now as Nyus Machliachl, which is the Gallic way of saying Angus Nicholson. Or Angus Nicholson is the English way of saying Nyus Machliachl. Uh, uh, that's, that's his wife, Gerda Stevenson, who's a, a playwright and actress, a good one. Um, old friends. <laughs> I think it's very like her and him. Uh, anyway, next. A wee boy. I forget his name. Uh, his, his, his mother, no, no, I think it was his grandmother commissioned it. She, she lives in Edinburgh. I think he's a member of parliament now. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, um, when, when I arrived, it was a, a nice warm day. He was, in fact, asleep on a quilt on the lawn. I think, oh, good. Um, 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 uh, in, in drawing small boys, small girls seem quite satisfied to sit still and be drawn. Um, uh, small boys find it a bit of a bore. In drawing them, I have generally to sit beside a television screen in which they are watching something that entertains them. Um, anyway, uh, but uh, that, um, as I say, the colour, uh, the thing was... Uh, <laughs> I generally draw quite fast, sometimes even in pencil, and then t take it home and carefully trace it onto a, a robuster sheet of paper and uh, mount it and, and tint it as little as possible. Um, I, I, I only add colour when I feel that colour makes it pleasanter or easier to see and uh, do as little as I can. Um, thank you. Next. Uh, yes, an early mural. Um, I, I was in a friend's house, George and Rosemary Singleton. They, they'd, uh, they hadn't been married long. I was at some party, kind of housewarming, and for some reason, uh, there were beautiful white, wall, white walls in all the rooms, and uh, I was responsible for a stain on the white... Uh, on the wall of the living room. Uh, I don't know if it was a blood stain, and I accidentally broke in a glass. I, I, I forget, but anyway, I said I would cover it up with, um, uh, um, with a mural decoration, uh, um, and, and they let me. Um, I've, uh, the story of Jonah is my favorite book in the Bible. Um, I've sometimes thought it was a bit of an, a satire, an exodus. Um, um, <laughs> the artist I've most enjoyed and read of and in is William Blake. And I was particularly impressed by the engravings he did for the, the book of, jo uh, of Job which he tinted, the magnificent things. And I thought, I want to do a book of the Bible, a different one, uh, and, and, and make it all my own, just as the way he's made Job all his own. Uh, and, and, and therefore, I naturally, since I wasn't an assiduous Bible reader, uh, no, no religion was pushed upon us by our parents. Um, they had no particular objection to it either. Um, but but uh, anyway, I, I naturally went to the smaller books and found the book of Jonah, which is only three chapters, uh, just suited me. 
as I say, it, it, uh, it's uh, <laughs> a very clear, rather wonderful story, you know, in which you, as you, you, uh, the, the word of the, of the Lord comes to this prophet saying, Arise, go to Nineveh, that great city, and prophesy against it. Uh, you know, because I'm really sick of the place. Uh, and, and, um, and, and Jonah, I don't want to go into the middle of the biggest European capital, imperial power and prophesy against them. So he runs away. Or rather, he, he thinks if he can get far enough away from, uh, from Israel to a place where there's other gods, uh, Jehovah won't pester him. Alas, uh, Jehovah is the only real God everywhere. Um, and um, in, in a trying to escape, he, uh, uh, he runs away. That's, that's the word of God coming down to, <laughs> uh, coming down to him. You've got him running away. Uh, he, he goes to um, the cities at Joppa. It pays the fare, goes down into the ship which takes off. Hideous storm. They uh, they decide that he he admits that the storm has been caused by his presence, and um, so they say, "Oh dear, we don't want to fling you overboard. We'll try and see if we can save you anyway." But they can't, so they fling him overboard, uh, and 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 uh, the storm dies down, and he finds he's been that the God has prepared a great fish. And uh, from the belly of the fish, realizing he isn't dead and that God has got to do what God tells him, uh, um, the God tells the fish to vomit him onto the dry land, uh, which he does. That's him, him being vomited out. Uh, um, he, he then runs into the city of Nineveh and starts preaching saying, 40 days and Nineveh will be destroyed. And they believe him. And uh, the king of Nineveh tells everybody to put on sackcloth and ashes and beg God to forgive them. And maybe God will not do the evil he has said he will do. And, um, and God decides not to do it. <laughs> And, and, and I say, it's quite the opposite of the Exodus story in which after, uh, after uh, uh, when Moses says, let my people go, and, uh, and Pharaoh says, all right, you can go. And then the Lord hardens Pharaoh's heart, who says, no, change my mind, you're not going. Uh, so the firstborn are killed by God. Uh, you know, you've got all these dreadful catastrophes being visited by God on the people ruled by a pharaoh whose heart God keeps hardening. Just to, just to show off how powerful he is, you see, uh, and, and all that. Um, and the, the fact that suddenly here we, here we have Jonah, here we have Jehovah saying, I said I was going to kill you all in 40 days. However, since you're asking me to forgive you, I will. Uh, Jonah, of course, Mad. He's mad at this. You made me go and preach to them, and they believed me. And now you're making me out to be a liar. Uh, he, um, he, go, he goes out of the city and uh, settles down to wait for Nineveh to be destroyed. I'm not going away until you destroy the place. Uh, um, um, you know, God sends, uh, are you well to be angry? He says, yes, I'm right to be angry, even unto death. Um, so he sits there bareheaded, obviously in danger of sunstroke. Uh, God, God makes uh, a gourd plant grow up to shade him from the sun, and uh, he still sits there. Don't think you're going to get around me that way. Um, uh, God uh, sends a worm to gnaw the root of the plant, which dies, and. Uh, uh, a wind comes up and he falls down in a fit in which he hears the voice saying, saying to him, Are you right to be angry that I killed the gourd? And Jonah says, 
Yes, I'm right to be angry, even unto death. God, having won his point, says, Well, if you're right to be angry that I killed the gourd, which you didn't plant, and which grew in a day and withered in a day, surely it's all right for me to spare the city of Nineveh, which is full of thousands of fools who don't know their right hand from their left, and also much cattle. That's the final word. <laughs> also much cattle. Uh, when you remember how he killed the firstborn of the, of, of the cattle <laughs> in Egypt <laughs> and all that. Yeah, you think, this shows that God is growing up. Um, he, um, he's, 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 taking a, he's taking a step towards the, the Jesus um, situation. Which, uh, um, 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 uh, so, uh, so I've kept... I keep, I keep coming back to this. Uh, and anyway, next. Uh, oh, yes. Uh, 1966. That's my first wife, Inga, and, uh, and my, my son, Andrew. Um, she is drawing uh, uh, creatures from the Doctor Who series, which um, Andrew thoroughly enjoyed. Uh, so did I when I looked at it. Anyway, next. Um, uh, a lady called Marion Donaldson, a friend of ours, uh, um, she, she uh, had a dressmaker's business and asked me to do some drawings of the dresses she was selling. And uh, I, I drew my, um, my first wife, Inga, wearing these. Yes, next. Well, that's a piece, a detail of a mural showing the upper falls of the Clyde, bon Bonnington Lynn, that's Tinto Hill in the background. Uh, that's me and a friend of mine. Uh, as I say, it's a small detail. It, it, was, it was painted in a, a pub called The Tavern in Kirkfield Bank, uh, very close to Lanark, just downstream from New Lanark. And, and uh, it was the longest landscape I've ever paid, painted. Uh, it, uh, it too was papered over. Uh, then, then it passed in about two or three years ago into the hands of somebody who uncovered it. It was badly damaged, but he got in touch and, um, and paid me to restore it, and, uh, which I largely did. Uh, he, wanted, he wanted to run it as a, as a first-class restaurant as well as pub. But uh, he therefore chose young students who were, who'd, who'd got top marks uh, from their training in cookery. They were so good that none of them, they, that on three successive occasions, uh, they were all poached by richer hotels <laughs> who, who employed them. And, uh, the last time I was there, he had to give the place up uh, because he couldn't run it like that. When I was last there, they, um, he changed the name to the Riverside Restaurant, Kirkfield Bank. When I was last there, it was shut up, saying that anyone who would like to see Alice de Grey's mural in it should phone a certain number and they would be given a chance of going in and seeing it. But I do hope it opens again as a pub because um, a small village um, without a local pub seems to me to have lost most of its soul, yeah, particularly in an era where, um, where everybody doesn't meet, at least on Sundays in Kirk. Uh, next. Oh, uh, um, not good. Um, sorry, the... the, the um, as a black and white drawing, it's not bad. Uh, the colour I've added to it ain't good. It doesn't harmonise properly. I'm, I'm actually working just now with Glasgow Print Studio. Uh, sorry, Edinburgh Print Workshop. Edinburgh Print Workshop. Um, and, and we're... Um, 
trying to find out. Um, uh, um, it's, it's having a show in a, a bit over a month, in which I'll be having some some other prints. But we're we're working on that. It it was an illustration to uh, to a play about Prometheus, um, um, which I tried to write without success. I, I I got some lines, some parts of it. That that's meant to be. Uh, Prometheus crucified. Um, the the lady is meant to be the earth goddess. Um, that's the sky god, Zeus, standing in her head. Um, he thinks he's running the whole show. <laughs> um, doesn't realise that he's just a part of her. Uh, and and um, but uh, I say the colours are unsatisfactory. I'm I'm trying to get them better. Um, um, as I say, I can I can draw things, but the kind of colour I like is Walt Disney colour. I like the colours as bright as possible, and uh, sometimes that just doesn't work. It destroys the effect of the the power of the outlines. Next, ah, uh, th 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 uh, this uh, it's rather faint, but. Uh, one of the best jobs I ever had was Elspeth King. It was at the time in which Harold Wilson, uh, discovering that that he couldn't advance to a new phase of socialism because the stock exchange told him the time that, and bankers told him the time wasn't right for it, <laughs> as if they ever would, uh, <laughs> um, uh, decided that the best thing he could do was a jobs creation scheme in which if a firm... Uh, could employ somebody but hadn't the money to pay their wages, um, uh, the taxpayers' money would be used to take somebody off uh, the unemployment list. Um, Elspeth King had seen a, a big landscape of mine, a, a cityscape, a view of Cowcaddens. And anyway, she, she phoned and asked, would I come and work for the People's Palace uh, doing drawings of of streets and people, because the People's Palace Local History Museum, created about 1900 to serve the East End, had, um, it had become a kind of lumber room. That is, uh, uh, Harold, Harry Lauder's walking sticks were in it, and Thomas Lipton's racing trophies, and uh, people, but it had, it had no new paintings um, since before the 1418 war. and. Um, so she applied to the jobs creation scheme to pay me to work on landscapes in, uh, in the, the People's Palace storeroom. And it was a very pleasant time working on these. Um, I won't go into much detail about it, um, but uh, uh, where, where the uh, Arcadia Street um, a lot of Britain was being knocked down to be gentrified, which hath happened. Uh, uh, remains of a big warehouse. There was even the, the remains there of, a, of an air raid shelter from the Second World War. Big areas of waste ground. That was a policeman. I put his name on it. That was a lad in a motor bicycle. I, I put his name on it. Uh, a number of years ago, he wrote to ask if I would give him permission to use it on the cover of a book he had written, <laughs> which, of course, yes, go ahead. Um, but, but uh, I say, the, the, um, the five or six months I was working on that were very happy, and I'd have gladly have gone on doing it um, um, because, uh, well, financial security. I <laughs> quite funny when I was told I could get the job I had to be registered as unemployed and I, I hadn't registered as unemployed for many many years um, uh, um, I'd, I'd, I'd got on by waffling between writing and, and occasionally selling pictures and, and um, latterly at a bad time I was doing a mural in the ubiquitous chip in return for my being able to eat there and even invite friends to eat there a lot of people said, oh, it's, you painted it in return for free meals. No, they weren't free meals. <laughs> I was being paid in meals. <laughs> um, um, 
Oh, you can't regard painting as a job. <laughs> um, uh, and, 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 anyway, uh, uh, I had to go to the latest employment exchange and say, uh, could you register me unemployed, please? Uh, if you do, I won't want any money for you because I'll get a paid job right away. And uh, it, it took a long while. The clerk couldn't get his head. How have you been living so far? Well, I sublet rooms in this council house I have to lodgers illegally. And, uh, <laughs> and I, I, I eat in the ubiquitous chip restaurant in return for a mural. And... and, uh, and uh, <laughs> Honestly, just register me unemployed and you'll never see me again. <laughs> uh, eventually, obviously, very worried about risking his position. Uh, he did sign it and I got that job. Uh, I, 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 would, I would have kept on with it, at least until jobs creation schemes stopped. But that was stopped, I think, under Thatcher. So I could, could have been in it for longer. Uh, the trouble was my, uh, my son... Um, had to go to a special school. He'd de developed a wee bit of a stammer when his mother and I, alas, separated. Uh, and and um, I couldn't afford to work in this job and pay his boarding school fees. It was a good school, Kalwanity, run in A.S. Neil lines. Uh, and uh, and uh, it, 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 uh, it really did him good. Uh, um, because he stopped being afraid of other children, <laughs> which is the main thing to learn at school, if you can. Uh, and and um, um, well, why am I rambling on about this? Uh, oh, 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 yes. Um, however, uh, I applied for a job as writer in residence at Glasgow University on the basis of having had some television plays commissioned and performed. And that wage was much bigger than the basic jobs creation wage, which enabled me to pay uh, the Kilvanity school fees, which is why I regretfully, however, I did, I, I did finish 34 pictures, uh, um, uh, all, none of them fanciful, <laughs> like, like my murals sometimes are. Next. Oh, oh yes, one of the uh, Glasgow Print Studio, <laughs> James, Ke James Kelman and one or two other friends, Liz Lockhead and others, we, we had the one, uh, uh, Jim had been, uh, uh, had learned, um, had worked as a printer in his teens uh, when, you know, you set type by hand and the print studio had a big press and we thought, what if, what if, us writers who haven't been published yet, or hardly at all, got together and brought out a series of wee cheap books, and 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 we, we would we would sell them for no more than a fiver each if it was as much as that. Sorry, I forget how much it was, and, and we'd distribute them ourselves, and we did eventually get it off the ground and running. Of course, no bookshops really wanted to sell cheap books and which, and anyway, to, we'd to distribute them ourselves and, uh, you know, all right, you could, well, you take these. And then we couldn't go back to collect whatever money we got for them. Uh, it, it, it was one of these brave but utterly useless Scottish ventures. Uh, <laughs> um, a, a real writer's cooperative. Uh, and, 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 uh, um, and the first... We're all done. Tom Leonard, Jim Taylor, Liz Lockhead, Tom Buchan, James Kelman, uh, Alan Spence, Carl McDougall, Angus Nicholson, Newt McNeachle. Uh, the, 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 um, that was the poster I designed. Uh, I used this image of a, of a, of a woman uh, uh, resting on a tree growing out of her bum um, as a as a symbol for independence. Uh, I've, uh, <laughs> um, I've, I've, uh, it's a symbol I've used a great many times in, in, imp in slightly improved versions. Um, um, 
once, once, once I get an idea for an iconic image, I, I generally keep repeating it. Um, next. Uh, nearly, yes, that's uh, um, uh, two, two title pages for the book sections of my first novel, Lanark. Uh, they were actually, oh, oh no, these, <laughs> um, that, one, uh, that one is uh, Bacon's Novum Organum. I, my own illustration that I based on that is different from that. Is anybody all right? Are you all right? <laughs> we hope you're all right. Okay. Yes. Well, uh, and next, please. And uh, oh, 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 yes, that's the title page of. Uh, uh, sorry, that's the the dust jacket of. Um, the wrap brown dust jacket of my novel Lanark, which blends many different images. That's, <laughs> that was my younger self with my first wife and my son, and uh, of course my friend Alan Fletcher, who features as a character in the central part of the book, and images of Clyde shipbuilding and uh, the big woman supporting the son, and. Uh, uh, Trying to get everything into it. <laughs> uh, that's all. Alistair, have a seat. Yes. That's it. Um, I hate being the one to have to cut you short no, no. Um, because I could have listened to you all day. And I'm sure everybody else could as well. But it's very warm in here. But, but also, I'm very keen to raise the lights and to give people a chance to ask you some questions. And I think stopping on Lanark is a good moment for, for us. But I have to say that when I first had a conversation with Alistair about the idea of this event a year ago, I said to him, come and talk to us about Lanark. And he said, I won't. <laughs> so I said, please, come talk to us about Lanark. No. So now is my chance to ask you about Lanark. <laughs> you can ask, answer the question or not, if you wish. But why did it take so long to write Lanark? 30 years or so. Well, I, w I wanted to describe a, a man's whole life, or, or put that into it. And uh, I mean, in the earlier phase, the feeling, how can I describe a man's whole life when I can't even get a woman to marry me. <laughs> I've, I've, not, I've not even had a child. Uh, uh, and and, uh, and my experience of life is a child's. Um, um, uh, um, um, how, however, as I, as I worked on the book slowly, um, a wife and child were added to me. <laughs> and, 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 uh, and then lost. Uh, and and um, so I was able to finish it, uh, finish writing it. So you were doing a lot of other things besides at the same oh, time as we went along? Oh, yes. Now, um, questions from the audience. Uh, hands up, please, if, you, if, if you're interested in asking a question. Um, I can see one here. Wait for the microphone, please, because this is being recorded. Hello, Alistair. Hello, Joyce. Hello. Alistair, have you ever felt that um, the popularity of Lanark has overshadowed all your other wonderful books that have come out since then, you know, um, Poor Things and Old Men in Love and um, Janine, which are all equally marvellous, and your, your beautiful artwork. Uh, no, Joyce, it doesn't bother me no. at all. <laughs> <laughs> I just wondered if. Um, uh, I know uh, when 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 people uh, uh, say they they um, they haven't read any of my work, but are thinking of starting Lanark, I say, no, it's too long. You should start. <laughs> yes, you should start with the shorter stuff. If you uh, and, and, um, and but but of course I'm glad that there are many people who enjoy Lanark and prefer it to my other work. But 
I'm, I'm only really interested in the stuff I'm doing at present or in the future. Um, 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 yes. A question at the front. Hi, Alistair. Um, I just wonder which one you enjoy more, writing or drawing and painting? I find each a great holiday from the other. <laughs> um, uh, um, is my only way of putting it. Um, I, I, uh, I'm working just now on a, a mural decoration that will finally be executed in mosaic and in tile for uh, Strathclyde Partnership Transport Hillhead Underground Station. And uh, um, I, when I say I feel I've been working on it too long, the, the reason is that there are uh, continual delay, there have been delays caused by uh, uh, slowness in pay payment and, and, uh, <laughs> and then uh, <coughs> and then them not yet having decided which firm is going to be doing the mosaic tiling so that uh, I feel I've been consistently <laughs> brought to a halt or, 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 or doing more and more work on smaller and smaller areas and, uh, and losing myself, uh, you know, having difficulty retrieving my sense of the whole composition. But, it, but, but it'll, it'll come right in the end. And, 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 uh, but, but, yes. <laughs> We're short on time, so any more uh, people keen to ask a question? Uh, yep, in the third row there in the middle. I'll come to you afterwards. Yeah. Hold it towards me. Um, I was at Hillhead Underground yesterday. Oh, yes. Have you started painting there or not yet? And what will it be? Are you not going to tell us that? <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, no, it's not going to be a painting, you see. Uh, um, uh, I'm doing a gigantic coloured drawing, which will then be scanned and partly printed on tiles, mm -hmm. and, um, and <laughs> which will then be stuck up on the wall, <laughs> facing the turn style as you go through, or the escalator as you come up. Right, I need to have a good look, but everyone's making a beeline for Hillhead Underground <laughs> now. Uh, I'm, I'm afraid, well, it's not likely to be there before the new year. Okay. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thank you. Okay, another question in the front row there. Gentleman behind you. Any more? Uh, um, this is, uh, hello, Alistair. This is ridiculously specific, and you might not be able to remember, but I've just reread Lanark, and I wonder why chapters 39 and 40 the first page stops halfway down. The text of the page stops halfway down. So you think the chapter's finished, and then you turn over and the chapter just continues. And I know that you've always been very insistent on laying out how you like it, so I presume you must have had some reason for doing that. That strikes me as an accident by... <laughs> <laughs> okay, um, one more quick question, halfway up at the back. This will be the last question, I'm sorry to say. Alistair, you, uh, you've painted many uh, portrait subjects. There aren't many major portraits of you. I don't think there's any in the national collections to speak of. One big major portrait, I think, which was done was by Alan Fletcher in the 50s, where Isn't you it? have a, a red tank top or such. A, a red jersey and a black shirt. Yeah. Yes. It was painted in tones of grey. Mm -hmm. Was that a deliberate pun, or was he just? No, uh, uh, no. I think, uh, I think I think he felt that that was all it needed. The you know the harmony, uh, the only note of colour is the the red, uh, with the black shirt and the uh, uh, his his modelling was pretty complete. It's it's now in private ownership. Um, I, I don't know who uh, own, own, owns it, but it's um, the best portrait I've ever done. You yeah, and you own it. Uh, oh, good. <laughs> I congratulate you, sir. <laughs> I'm so sorry we're going to have to bring this to a close. <laughs> Just when we were all getting going. Um, Ali Smith has described you as a necessary genius. 
Anthony Burgess has described to you as the greatest Scottish novelist since Walter Scott. I think we all just want to put our hands together and say thank you, Alistair Gray, for everything. Alistair will be signing copies of his book, A Life in Pictures, in the signing tent. He's asked me to ask you only to ask for books to be signed which you have bought and not ones which you had in your bags because he, he wants to get through the signing relatively quickly. So thank you very much indeed. Many more Edinburgh International Book Festival event recordings are available at www.edbookfest.co.uk along with a selection of videos.